Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or simply catching up on a message you've missed, we are so glad that you're connecting with God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. I'm going to ask, if you will, to stand out of respect for God's word. As Pastor Curtis comes back to help me to this morning, I'm going to tell you quickly is that you that are from another nation and have moved to the United States, we're having, if you not know, an international fellowship right after service in West Cafe. We hope to see you there. Secondly, real quickly, this Friday is the first Friday of 2022 for the night of prayer. We believe that God works when man prays. Amen? Amen. So I really challenge you, if you're able, or you join us online to come and be a part this Friday at 7 p.m. We truly are a church that's committed to praying for our family, our nations, our, our, our needs, and, and asking God's kingdom to come on earth that is, is in heaven. This Friday, 7 p.m., I hope to see you. I'll be here, Lord willing. I hope you will too. Amen? We're in Romans chapter 12. You'll follow along with Pastor um, Curtis. I'll start out. We're reading the first five um, verses. Hear the word of the Lord. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is uh, truly the way to worship him. Verse 2. You don't need Pastor Curtis. Verse 3. <laughs> because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. So it is with the Christ body. We are many, par many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Let's pray. And I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, will be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, Pastor Curtis. You can have a seat, church. Next week, we're finishing today's series on Jesus and the tough stuff. Next week, we have a standalone. And here's the reason why I'm telling you this. I, uh, I'm saying to those of you who are online and you physically can be here, that you need to be here next week. You'll understand once you're here next week. But if you physically can be here, next Sunday is a Sunday you need to be here. If you can't, I'm grateful for online and that you can be a part of us in that regard. But please know, those of you here, you need to be here. I'm speaking a message that God has given me about 10 weeks ago and laid it heavy on me. And just to give you a little prelude, it's called, it's basically the blessing of the Father. And I'm not talking about our Father in heaven. I'm talking about our physical fathers. It's not a Father's Day message. It's not about fathers in general. I'm, I'm preaching from the passage of Esau begging for his dad's blessing and what that means for each and every one of us. I am believing that God's going to do some amazing works next week. So be in prayer for it. Be here. If you're able to attend, I know you're not going to be disappointed. Well, this message that I'm speaking today, Jesus in the Tough Stuff, wraps up a tough series. <laughs> We've looked at Jesus in our marriages, Jesus in our money, and you're like, where's he going now? 
Well, as I conclude this, as I prayed about this, let me just say, I've been sick from Friday till 3 a.m. this morning. And 3 a.m. it finally broke. I was preaching regardless. I knew I had a word. I'm just grateful that it still isn't there. Praise the Lord. But I knew the enemy also did not want me and does not want me to give you this message. I will also say to you as a prelude, this is not a message that I am like, oh, this is so fun. I'm so glad to preach this. This has been so exciting. It's one of those messages that I'm preaching out of obedience to the one who I am accountable to. And I say to you, secondly, that I speak this completely out of love. And out of love must come truth. And my responsibility to you as, this pa- as the pastor of this church is to prepare you for what is about to occur. And if I do not, I will be held accountable. So I'm not expecting a lot of hallelujahs and amens this morning. I'm probably expecting a lot of emails and people to be upset. But that's not going to deter me from what God's word says. And I'm here to tell you that as we look at Jesus and the tough stuff, I would say that today's title is this. How are we going to be in the world, but not of the world? How are we going to be in the world, but not of the world? I mean, that's a really difficult question. Scripture says to that. We, we are in the world every day. Everything we do like Stephanie with her job. We're in the world all the time and all the challenges that go with it and you try to follow Jesus and and, and it's daunting and it's overwhelming and all of a sudden you get sucked into it and everything about it, every single one of us. Am I the only one that has a temptation to be sucked into the world and all that it offers? No, all of us, if we're truly honest, have that challenge. And today I'm actually um, putting on a, what I would call my prophetic hat. I'm going to declare to you a prophet is one who speaks in not just about the future, but a prophet is the one who de- declares the situation in which we find ourselves, and thus what does the Lord say about the situation in which we find ourselves. And that's what today's message is. But I still want to again emphasize, it comes out of a heart that truly cares for you. I'm in a, I'm in a difficult situation because, you know, I'm in my third year, And now I love you. And it's a dangerous thing to love people. Why? Because they can hurt you. They can reject you. They can disagree with you, and that's all good and fine. But at the end of the day, you need to know. And if you're a guest here, and if you're viewing for the first time, this comes completely out of love and concern. Okay? Did I set the basis all right? You're getting what I'm going at? We face the most challenging issues we've ever faced in the United States of America. And we need to see what is Jesus saying in these tough moments. I believe this passage right here in Romans 12 is our foundation. It's truly the foundation. Let me, I'm, a, I'm the master of oversimplification, but let me simplify Romans 12, 1 and 2. It is simply this. Verse 1, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What in the world does that mean? If you look at it in the Greek, it means basically this. There's a moment in my life in which I have to make a decision. And that decision is I surrender everything. And after I surrender that, that moment, then I continue to surrender that point forward. That's what the living sacrifice means. The question is, have you made that moment in time that you've surrendered everything in your life to him? Because if you haven't, you will struggle. And when you do that, and when I make that decision and I continue to surrender day after day, then I will know his perfect will for my life. Then he goes into verse 2 and he says, but I have a question for you. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, 
but be transformed, what? By the renewing of your mind. The simple uh, uh, thing that he's saying to us is this. Stop believing the lies that you're hearing right now. Be renewed by the truth. And the truth is this, whether you like it or not. This is the truth, and Scripture declares the truth will set you free. Amen? So the truth is, where, is how we distinguish the lies. How do I know that? The lies are coming at you as I speak. The enemy is ruthless and continual. The fiery arrows that Ephesians 6, 6 declares, they are coming at you and I every moment, all the time, trying to get you to believe the lies that are coming at you. And not one of us are exempt from those lies. They look different for all of us, but they're coming at us nonetheless. My question is simply this. Are you being conformed to the pattern of this world? Or are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind? It's not complicated. Which camp do you fall in? What is the pattern of this world, maybe you ask? Scripture gives us the answer. Galatians 5. The pattern of this world, just to name a few, is this. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions. Sounds a little bit... If I may be so bold, like the church today. Are we being conformed to the pattern of the world, which Galatians 5 gives us a list? Or are we being transformed by the renewing of our mind? Where are we at with this? We must pray and ask Jesus to grant us this ability. Now I want to put this in context of what I'm talking about today. You all know about the disciples you know about their lives and you know if you've been in the church long enough that many of them died and were horribly murdered. If you did not know that, that's our heritage. That's the heritage that we come from. Are you with me? That's our heritage. This is not a myth. This is not just some story. This is actual facts. Let me give you the details just as a kind reminder that these disciples who were not conformed to the pattern of this world but were transformed and lived differently than the pattern of this one. They were transformed and they were persecuted and they were hated and they were faithful to the end. Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia and killed by the sword. Mark died in Alexandria, Egypt. I've been to Alexandria, Egypt after he was dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke was hanged in Greece as a result of his tremendous, tremendous ability to preach to the lost. If you preach really good, they'll kill you. John was the only one not killed, but he was persecuted in such a way, he was boiled in a huge basin of boiling water during a wave of persecution in Rome, and then was sentenced to the prison island of Patmos. Peter was crucified upside down. James was the leader in the church in Jerusalem and was thrown in over a hundred feet down in the southeast pinnacle of the temple when he refused to deny his faith in Jesus. He did not die from the fall and then they clubbed him to death. James, son of Zebedee, was beheaded in Jerusalem. Bartholomew was whipped to death in Armenia. Andrew was crucified on the cross in Greece. Thomas was stabbed to death in the country of India. Judah was killed by arrows when he refused to deny his face. Matthias was stoned to death and beheaded. Paul, as you know, was tortured and beheaded by Nero in Rome. And before all of these occurred, John the Baptist, who Jesus called the greatest of all time, was beheaded and murdered simply at a whim at a party. 
This is your heritage. It has never stopped since that day. But it may be hard for us to understand because we've lived in this 200 years plus in America. And I'm not talking about our totality of our history in America. I'm talking about the church. It's been an abnormal experience. But I can take you, and I've traveled to many places, to North Korea and Afghanistan and the northern part of Sudan, and the list goes on and on, Iran, where believers from that day to today, simply because they believe in the name of Jesus, are dying for their faith. This is your heritage. And so today, I'm reminded of this tough message to say to you today. Ezekiel in chapter 33 He was talking to the nation of Israel and he said this about an ancient city. The watchman has to go up into the tower and he must keep a look about for the enemy are coming. Now, when Melanie and I lived in Paku, it was, they had an an old city in the middle of, of the city and every ancient city had their own walls around it as did this ancient city inside the city of Baku. And they all had a tower that was circular so you could see all around for a long distance where the enemy was coming. And we had a tower there and we went up there many times. And that's what Ezekiel's talking about. And he said clearly to them, when you see the enemy coming, what's the watchman to do in Ezekiel 33? Blow the trumpet, get the people ready. And if they ignore your warning and the enemy comes, and they die, their blood is on their own hands. But Ezekiel, listen to me. If you see what is coming and you don't blow the trumpet and when it arrives and they are decimated, their blood is on your hands. I stand before you today, humble with not all the answers, but as we sing with the worship team, because of Jesus, I stand before you and tell you that I feel like in some regards, I'm a captain of a ship and we're out on the ocean and I see the storm coming. And if I don't warn you, once the storm is upon us, then I'm responsible. But now what I'm doing is what Hebrews 13, 17 says, I will give account before God as a leader in the church. So I'm here to warn us today that although we are not in the middle of a situation where we're losing our lives, We know that in the speed that what is happening in America as I speak is at levels, and I have tried to do this in such a way that in my short span of 55 years, I've asked um, people that are ahead of me in their 70s and 80s and 90s that can give me perspective about um, parts of, of, of lived history that I do not and have not experienced, and they have concurred with me that what we're seeing now is unprecedented even in their lifetime. And I'm not talking just about our society as a whole. I'm talking about the church. We are the example of the church. Although I'm grateful that all of you are sitting here today. And I am grateful that we have the capacity to have online ministry ability. And I'm grateful that we are able to help people who can't be here because of the COVID experience. But with that COVID experience aside, there's still an unmet, uh, unanswered question as to where 50% of our people are at. And KCC is no different than any other church. And as we are preparing for what is coming, it's our responsibility, it's the desire of my heart in this message is that we truly prepare our hearts to say, Lord, make us ready. And here is the bright side of the whole talk. 
The bright side is this, is that you and I have the uh, assurance and the ability to know that we will win this thing. We will stand at the end of the day. God's glory will be displayed. We will see, and it gets tough, and it gets challenging. That will be the moment, it will be the church's greatest hour, where we will see signs and wonders and miracles and people healed and delivered. Not that we can't see it now, but we will see it in greater moments. I am here to tell you that that's the reality of as we move forward. But the church may not look like the church looks today. God is sifting the church as I speak. Consumerism is being thrown out of the window. If you are just a passerby, if you're here just to receive, you're not going to do so well in the days ahead. And I need to tell you the truth. So I come to you as we look at the tough stuff in our today. I could make a list of so many different things, but I'm quickly gonna just list four that are affecting the church and our society. And if we don't get this right, we will pay the price dearly. Are you okay if I do that? Let me breathe for a second. The first one is this. Allow Jesus to rule your politics. Allow Jesus to rule your politics. Can somebody say, lead us, Jesus? Say it again, lead us, Jesus. Question, how would Jesus speak in today's political world in the United States? That's the question you should be asking. How would Jesus be speaking into today's political situation. I would say this about Jesus. Number one, he would say this. Do not be divided as a church over your politics. Don't let it happen. I'll say it again. Do not be divided over your politics. Jesus clearly said in John 17, he prayed that you and I would be one as he and the Father are one. And we're seeing things today that are very deeply concerning. And we are doing things today that are deeply concerning. And we are speaking unedited, offending one another over our politics. And Jesus clearly went on to say, a house divided amongst itself will not stand. And the goal of politics of the spirit of this world is to do one thing, divide us, make us weak at the base, so that when what I'm talking about is coming after us, we will not be able to stand. That's the reality of it. Do not be divided, he said over to politics. The second thing is this. He would say, do not put your politics above the kingdom. He didn't say that you couldn't be involved with politics. He didn't say that politics didn't have a place. But your politics can never be above the kingdom of God, ever. Ever, he clearly said in Mark 12, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And if I was truly honest, if you and I put the amount of energy and effort that we put into politics on a day-to-day -day basis, and we put that into the kingdom of God, being the hands and feet of Jesus, the world would be changed yesterday. And that's the truth. That is the truth. He would say, do not put your politics above the kingdom. He would say, I just love that I'm just doing Jesus and not mixed opinion. He would say, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things you're worried about, they'll work themselves out. Thank you, Lord. The third thing he would say to us about ruling our politics, now it's getting a little touchy. Do not allow COVID vaccinations and masks to stop your fellowship with those who disagree with you. Do not allow it to go there.
Do not allow it to go there. Keep the main thing, the main thing. The goal of the enemy is, to, again, to divide us. I don't care if you are, and what we're seeing today is that people over the last two years are switching from church to church and over mass. I got, a, I got a little news for you. If you're switching over that, you're gonna switch over something else because there's always gonna be something that you don't agree with. There's gonna be something that doesn't align up perfectly with you. Once you find that place, I sure wanna find it because I don't think it exists this side of heaven. You with me? But the enemy is using this thing to divide us. And I don't, care that you don't, I don't care that you have strong opinions about it. You are human beings with brains that God gave. But how you do it is the key for the church to be moving forward. The enemy is using these things to divide us and keep us off of what's really the most important. And the last thing he would say to us about ruling our politics is this. Be more a passion about the true king and his kingdom than your politician. Be more passionate about your true king and his kingdom than your politician. He is the only hope, my friends. And I'm not talking pie in the sky. As I said, it all matters, but put it in its context. As soon as you do that, we'll make, it'll make all the difference in the world. Why do I tell you this first situation? We've watched over the last eight years our country go into really difficult moments. We watched the struggles of the 2016 cycle. And then I joined you all in the 2020 and it got worse. I'm here to declare to you that we are set up for the worst experience that we've ever had in the history of our country if all things continue to point in the direction that they are going in 2024. And here's why that is the case. Two words, trust and truth are gone. We no longer trust and if you do not have trust, you can't have a civil society. Because it doesn't matter at this point whoever wins, because whoever wins, the other one that doesn't win will never trust that the actual election was fair. And we need to get ready, church, because that's what's coming our way. We must practice now, within two years, what's going to happen so that we can be the church rather than allowing it to destroy the church. And truth, by the way, has been talked about in what we call postmodernism. And postmodernism has been this thing that declares that truth is only relevant to a certain group of people. And every group can create their own truth that they want with their lives. And here's what we know to be true. That we've talked about no truth, we've talked about no truth, and we've talked about no truth. Today, we are experiencing the result of no truth. And it's called chaos. It's called chaos. So hear me loud and hear me clear. Allow Jesus to rule your politics. And if we don't get it right now, we will be paying a price dearly later. Are you being conformed to the pattern of this world? Or are you being renewed by the mind of Jesus and his truth? Is it okay if I go on? Number two, allow Jesus to unite us in our racial diversity. You going there, pastor? I'm going there. Can somebody say, unite us, Jesus? Let me tell you, our goal is Revelation 7, 9, clearly that every tribe, every language, and every people group will be rep represented. But we believe that Revelation 7, 9 is not limited to heaven. We believe that it is relevant for us right here and right now. And with all the challenges that we have inside of our racial moments here, I'm here to tell you the answer is the church has always been the church. The church believes, and that's what KCC is about. 
that we are believing that racial reconciliation will only occur when the church begins to live out that which we know to be true. This makes sense to anybody. On a personal level, some of you newer to scripture, others of you know this well. For me, and it should be for all of us, as it relates to this racial challenge, is Micah 6.8. It's my desire every day to act justly. Anybody else? To love mercy and to walk humbly. And what my brother, Pastor Curtis, would say is biblical justice. That's why this is Sanctity Sunday. We, 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 here's what we do about justice is we, we define justice as it relates to us. But justice is for every situation, even the unborn child. That's a justice issue. We don't want to go there because that may not touch our thing, but if it touches this thing, then I'm all about it. Biblical justice will step on all of us. Thank you very kindly. You with me? We'll step on all of us. We celebrate, friends. We celebrate diversity here. We celebrate culture and ethnicity. But because the church has not stood up and been the church, there's been a vacuum. And so you have secular ideologies and secular groups standing up to stand in the gap because the church hasn't been the church in this moment. So you have, as a result, things that sound at first reference point good. But if you look at it through biblical lenses, you must and will be troubled. You have CRT, critical race theory, that is based totally on the race. It's all about the race. I'll go back to Pastor Curtis. He, in this process, as he and I met, he said, I finally come to the point that I am a follower of Christ before I am black. Your identity is not your race. Your identity is Christ Jesus. White, black, brown, yellow. That's who you are. You don't believe me, I'll go back to scripture. There's neither barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, Greek or Jew, slave or free, anybody. We are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. And here's the challenge of today. Because the church has not done what the church should do. And because we had several events that brought this racial challenge back to the surface. Is that now because of secular ideologies, we're now further apart than where we were. Because the enemy wants to use these things to continue to make us diverse. Even though they're saying they're being used to make us better. They're not. They're putting us in the opposite direction. So the church is the answer for this. And we know that Jesus would say to us, it is clear. My key point is simply this. We, the answer is, we learn to walk in somebody else's shoes. As simple as that is. And my point is this. When, is, when are you going to actually get to know somebody that doesn't look like you, doesn't act like you, doesn't have the same um, ethnic background or culture than you do, and actually be their friend? And I'm not talking about sitting on a stage on a stool talking about something. I'm talking about doing life with them. Right? If we were, the whole point of the, the way we do this is called relationship. We at KCC know it's messy. We're not saying we've arrived, right? It's messy. You'll say things that offend people. You will say stupid things. But the reality is when you're in relationship, then you can actually learn from one another. And that's the goal, is it not? And if the church can't bring racial reconciliation, who can? Scripture's very clear. I am reconciled with God, therefore I can be reconciled with you. Does this make sense to anybody? And we think that, we're, that that issue is not an issue. You wait for the next event. One more event, and it's all coming back up again. And then we believe the answer, and Jesus is saying the answer to this is you. Let's do what God has told us to do. Let's truly model what it means to be in relationship together as the body of Christ. Can I get an amen? 
It's only two, and I'm already wore out. Anybody want me to keep going? Are you being conformed to the pattern of this world? Or are you being renewed by truth? The third point may seem the least challenging, but in reality, it's probably the one that's the most deadly. And that is this. Allow Jesus to lead your social media use. Allow Jesus to lead your social media use. Somebody say, lead us, Jesus. This great tool is not going away. It's great power that is being used right now to do the same thing that each one of the other things I've talked about, to manipulate us and to divide us. And what's the, what's the thing that people do now? As soon as I am frustrated, as soon as I'm offended, I'm going to go publicly and make my declaration, somehow thinking there's going to be unity. I don't think so. I have never seen um, social media ever get anybody to say, oh, you changed my mind. Now I believe you. <laughs> never seen anybody able to do that. And we see that, that what is happening at this level is that we even have our pastor Christian, our youth pastor, that's actually receiving grant money because he's seen the epidemic and the addiction with our youth, and I would say to our adults. We have young people that are on TikTok nearly 17 hours a day. We have these rhythms that are coming at us, telling us what we want to hear over and over and over again, and all it does is reinforce our inability to talk with people that are different than us, have different perspectives than us, may not agree with us, and we become enemies of one another. You don't think that this is actually spiritual? You need to know that the book of 1 John said, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, because everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eye, the boasting of what he has or does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but the one who does the will of God will live forever. And that's a little bit extra. We must, right here, who can hear me, acknowledge our addiction. We are being manipulated and changed before our very eyes. We don't allow our mind to even shut off. Your device is in front of you 24-7. You never stop looking at it. You can't even go to the bathroom without it in front of you. You know what I'm talking about, right? We must back up. We must say, you rule this thing, Lord. He has, remember, he surrendered every area of your life. Every area of your life. I've actually learned from my own daughter who's here, Pastor Michaela who early on when she was in college started taking fast from social media, started putting blocks on the amount of time. And I actually learned from my daughter that this would be a good thing for all of us. This makes sense. We need to be able to have our brain. Do you know I read a book recently that said that innovation is down 45% since this thing called social media has happened. We don't allow our brains to have any moment to actually stop and actually just, remember back, I'm old enough, when we just had to wait, do you remember that? when you had to wait in line and you waited in your car and you waited and you just had wait time, right? Now, whenever we have wait, I, I get so angry. I go to the stoplight and what? Boom. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm, if I honk, then I'll probably cuss and then I'll have to uh, repent. So I'll just sit there and be kind. Come on, anyway. So your social media is making me sin. So now I'm trying to figure out. So come on now, you with me? Is this too real for some people here? Come on. And we then are being driven away from the thing I've been screaming to us that we have to create is called community. This is my community. All you have to do, do, all you have to do is go to the public um, space. Wherever you go, this is, it doesn't matter who the person is. Go to the bus stops. 
When I was training for my marathon, I would run through the bus stops with all the kids. Nobody talking. The adults at their restaurants. Everybody on their phones. I would imagine in your homes, you're trying to tell me this is not detrimental. This thing is the greatest challenge to the church today, and it's being used to divide us. If you have an addiction, we have a class called Freedom 5-1. But you being willing to admit that I actually have addiction is a very humbling thing, is it not? But you have to be serious enough. My, we need to have accountability in our lives. We need to renew our lives with truth. I take you to Philippians 4-8. Instead of viewing your social media, fix your things on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, and what is pure, and what is lovely, and what is admirable. Think about such things. Come on, church. Let's surrender our device to Jesus, especially as we go into 2024, especially as we continue to hear things. God, help us. The vast majority of you never heard a word I just said. And you'll go away from here, and you'll do exactly what you've been doing. But let me just say this. You've been warned. You've been warned. And James tells us, and James tells us, he who listens to the word and doesn't do what it says is like the one who looks at his face in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. But the one who does what the word of God says will be blessed in all that they do. So now, as adults, it's your choice. Let me give you the final one. Are you being conformed to the pattern of this world or are you being renewed by truth? The last one is accept Jesus' teaching on LGBTQ. Somebody say, teach us Jesus. Let me say to you clearly, what would Jesus say to anybody that's listening to my voice that would label themselves this? Number one, Jesus would say this, I love you and I have always loved you and I will always love you. There's nothing you can say, there's nothing you can do that will ever change that. You are loved whether you accept it or not. That's the first thing Jesus would say. Second thing Jesus would say to you is, I understand rejection. You've been rejected? I have been. Third, he would say, I have been tempted. Just as you have been tempted and your body has said, this is the way I should be. He says, I've been tempted. Number four, he would say, I want more from your life. You are more than the label you've placed on yourself. And I have so much more for you. And number five, you may not agree with biblical teaching on this, but, and you may not like Jesus, and you may not want him, but the fifth thing he would say to you is, I'm still here for you, and I will never leave. That's what Jesus would say. But let me clearly say, church, this is a primary issue. This is not a secondary issue. It is about to destroy the church. The fact that I'm saying it the way I'm saying it already declares we are in a state of chaos. Parents like myself, can I be a little vulnerable? I'm not speaking from theory. I'm not speaking out of compassion. The problem is that we've just been haters of people. Shame on us. 
when your daughter first tells you she doesn't believe and then she tells you she's gay, everything that you have to decide is real, becomes real. And I've watched too many parents, because they love their kids so, say, I no longer believe scripture because I want to support my family or my child. And my response to you is, you can love your child and not throw away what you believe. Because Jesus modeled that for us, did he not? You can love your child. What have I said over and over again at this church? Everybody's welcome here. I don't care what you believe. I don't care your lifestyle. We have an open table here, but that, we're not gonna change what we believe, but you're welcome and loved here. Is this okay for anybody? <laughs> Scripture clearly says, it's in unison. From Genesis chapter two to Matthew chapter 19, he described one flesh union between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage. Whenever same sex is mentioned in scripture, it is condemned. Leviticus 18, Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1. And here's the crazy thing about it. Scripture is remarkably uniform and consistent what it says about same sex relationship. And number two, you can't find one verse in the Bible that says one positive thing about same sex union. And lastly, I would say to you historically, and I'm talking about the church historically. I'm talking about the Russian Orthodox Church. I'm talking about the Coptic Church in Egypt, which I have been, to the Catholics. You have the Catholics to the Pentecostal snake holders. All in between, as diverse as the Christian church has been, this is the one issue we have been uniform on for centuries. And it's only been in the last 20 years that the church is now saying it's okay, predominantly in the West and predominantly in the white church, saying this is okay. And what I just said to you today, and the reason why I'm telling you it, not because I'm trying to highlight it over anything else, because it's coming after us. YouTube is already would censor what I just said as hate speech. Pastors are already being shut down. And as much as I love online, as I look at where we're going, Big tech can shut us down as soon as they don't like our message. And it's coming at a fast level. So we must create community groups. We must create the church in such a way that it will stand regardless. And I came out of a persecuted area of the world. I know how to do this. If you trust me, how to navigate us through this. Not that I have all the answers, but I've been there. So I'm not fully trusting the online experience. Grateful for it. I'll use it until they take it away from us. But I'm not resting my whole lot in that. It will go back to the way the church started is the way the church will end. Well, we meet in our homes and we worship our Lord and our King and we become the hands and feet of Jesus and we love people and we change the world simply because we're actually living out what we believe. And every time we hear another one is taken out and another one is taken out, it will motivate us all the more to continue to love and to continue to serve and they're gonna be so anxious and so crazy about it, they wanna know more about this thing. Key point is we will love everyone, yet we will hold on to the biblical truth. You with me? And that was only four of the issues today. There's more. All of that is leading us towards really uncertain future. But we know we win, but an uncertain future. 
So we have to stand up. I wonder how many of us have been practicing the, uh, the, the patterns of the world. Church. Factions. And anger. And fits of rage. Because somebody disagrees with you over a political issue or COVID or what have you. Come on. You're bigger than that. The kingdom is bigger than that. And when I say kingdom, I'm not talking pie in the sky. I'm talking about real change hands and feet of Jesus that's not driven by anything else than to truly impact and see people and value people and love people. That's the church I want to be a part of. That's a church I want to lead. Is there anybody else that can hear my voice? That's what church that you want to be? Brent, can you come on out here? We're going to close us in here. I, I know what the Lord wants us to do as you play. Let me bring this together. We've got to go from not the pattern of this world but to being conformed to the truth of Scripture. As I've already said at the beginning, the church is in decline today. But it's a moment that we must decide what do we believe and how are we going to live the life that we should do. Because hear, hear me clearly, my friends. You all listening? You haven't checked out yet. It will cost every single one of us something. It will cost you something. But let me, don't end it there. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Let me go back to all of those disciples that were killed. I want to meet them. Anybody with me? Wow. 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 Some of you hear my voice. You're, you, fear will want to take over. Don't fear. When my wife and I lived in Baku during 9-11, United States ambassador comes to me and he says, Mick, you've got a target on your head. And I want you to divert your route every single day. And for six months of that time, because I was a public figure in the country, my wife would see me leave. And she thought for sure that would be the day that I wouldn't come back. And the problem was back then, we didn't know who the bad guys were and we didn't know who the good guys were. And Americans were being targeted. And people ask me all the time, well, what are you going to do if you're taken and beheaded and all the rest? And I said, well, I don't like pain. But here's what I know to be true. What I know to be true is this. I surrender him today. And I say, this very moment, you have every part of my life. And here's what I know to be true. Is that if I surrender everything right here and right now to him, that whatever happens to me in the future and what happened to the disciples and what's happening right now in Afghanistan and North Korea and you name the country, that God is giving those brothers and sisters the supernatural ability to stand beyond their ability. It will become a supernatural experience in that moment. You don't have to be a superhero. You just gotta be a faithful follower of Jesus. And in that moment, he will give us to us. But church, wake up. Here's what I'm trying to say to you today. You can't keep on doing what you're doing. Because if you keep on doing what you're doing and it starts to squeeze and it's starting, you can't say in the middle of 911, hey Lord, now I want to be strong. It won't happen in that moment. It happens today when you make the choice. You're faithful to Him now and He will be faithful to you then. That's the warning and the reality of the, sec of the moments. So I am confident of this that we must stand on biblical truth, even if it's considered hate speech from this day forward. I will align my heart and my life 
I always say this, as the, if I'm the last man standing to the mission of Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to love people even if they spit on my face, that's supernatural. I will live my life in unity with other people in community and will not isolate myself. I will make myself vulnerable. That's why I say be in a community group. That's why I say come to Wednesday night and eat at a table. And yes, you may be uncomfortable to talk with somebody you don't know. Well, it's a whole lot better to do it now than when all hell breaks loose. You need to be known and you need to be seen and you need to be valued. And we've just gotten so comfortable. And now you don't have the luxury of being comfortable anymore. We need to choose to love Jesus more as persecution is upon us. Question, where are you with these tough issues? Can you pray, not my will, your will be done. Here's how I want us to close. Boy, that was tiring. I want us to pray corporately together. And here's how I want us to pray. You can pray at home, obviously, with us. But in a moment, I'm not going to have you all stand. But here's what I'm going to ask you, two things. If you feel comfortable, and I know some of us won't because of different situations and regarding COVID, but if you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask people to come forward and stand here in the front. Or I want you to stand where you are. And what I'm going to call us to is to pray together. I've said to you, it's coming. The storm is coming. I've warned you. But now we need to pray a repentance prayer as a church, as a body. Pray it together. And ask them to forgive us and to fill us and to send revival to us. Does this make sense to anybody? So as Brant plays, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to give you a second. Anybody want to come and stand with me? Anybody want to stand where they're at because they don't feel comfortable with COVID? We're going to pray. Now's your time. Up at the top, down. Let's just take this moment. Let's be the church. just me praying you get what I'm saying right sure I'm leading you in prayer but can you pray too can you do that we're basically going to pray a prayer God have this is corporately this isn't just individual this is us as the body of Christ help us with forgive us for our our anger and our fits of rage right and our dissension make us one as you are one forgive us God Send us, the only hope for us is him to send his Holy Spirit. That's why I said, would you come out Friday and pray? (laughs) Are we serious enough? Can we just pray, right? All right, would you bow your heads? Let's start praying. Go ahead, church, let's start praying. Go ahead, pray out loud. So start praying in Jesus' name. Come on, Lord Jesus, we pray right now. We pray in Jesus' name. I say, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We lament our apathy and our complacency and our self-centeredness that we want to be right and it's about our agenda we're so sorry for that would you forgive us oh god would you forgive us for the things that we have done and said that has caused division because we're right and we've caused more harm to the kingdom would you forgive us oh god would you truly enable your spirit to come upon us 
Forgive us that we put things ahead of you, things ahead of your kingdom and the things ahead of your purpose and the things that really matter. Would you truly do something fresh and new in our lives? Oh God, please hear my cry for us. We are so sorry for what we have done. Holy Spirit, hear our cry. We are guilty as charged. We are guilty as charged. We've been consumers, not servers. It's been about what we get, not what we can do. It's been about feeling good, not being ready. It's been about how we can win and they can lose. It's been about my pleasure and about meeting my physical needs and about having money and about having uh, ha happiness. God, please forgive us for the, the patterns of this world. Would you renew us? Please renew us with truth today. Oh God, hear our cry. Put a fire down in our hearts. Story, store into us a humility that truly declares we need more of you and we need you now. We're sorry for the inauthenticity. We're sorry about the games that we have played. We're sorry about the hypocrisy that's been so real. We pray today that your Holy Spirit would make a difference in us. Not only that you would forgive us, but you would fill us. Go ahead, tell them, church, fill us with your Holy Spirit. From our head to our toe, every ounce of our being, Holy Spirit, that our thoughts would be your thoughts, our heart would be your heart, our words would be your words, our eyes would be your eyes, our ears would be your ears. Hear our cry today, oh God, we are a desperate people. We are weak, but you are strong. With us, it is impossible. With you, all things are possible. We now declare to you, God, we pray against all that is upon us in this moment, but we know greater is he who is in us. We know that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We know that if you are for us, who can be against us? We know that we understand that when the storm comes, that you will give us what we need in the moment that we need it. You are faithful, God. Even when I'm faithless, you are faithful. And we hold on to that truth today. Hear us, oh God. We don't want to play church. We want to be the church. We are guilty as charged. Make that difference today. So we lament and we repent and we ask for forgiveness. But lastly, oh God, we pray for a revival. Go ahead, church, call it. Ask for a revival as a hungry child that his spirit would fall upon us that we would sense new movement of God's spirit, that he would blow away our boxes, that he would be God in a way that we have never seen or experienced before, that God would show up and his glory would be revealed and we truly could be the church of Jesus Christ and that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Do it today. Your church be on earth as it is in heaven. You, your kingdom would be in our families. Your kingdom would be in our lives. Your kingdom would be with our kiddos. Your kingdom would be in our church. Your kingdom would reign superior. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. Give me Jesus today. Is that the cry of your heart this morning? Does anybody resonate with this this morning? Can you put your hands together for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Amen. Amen.